You're listening to What We Should Have Learned in School, and I'm your host, Amy Leo. And last week's episode was really just a taster. It was really just a first step. On this show, you may have heard me talk about things like interpretation or the principle of thought before, but another key component of any discussion that we're having is the principle of consciousness. And so that sounds, again, like fancy jargon, but it simply means the amount of control or choice we feel we have in any given moment over our internal state, over our feelings, over our reactions, over our behaviors. And so you've also heard me say this past month how incredibly... mm, touched and impacted I have been by the passing of a man that went by the name of Vici. His real name is Tim Bergling, but um, I, I definitely am not pronouncing that correctly with the Swedish pronunciation, so I apologize. Finnish is kind of on, on the mind at the moment, but hmm, that's neither here nor there. What really makes my heart wrench is because I equate it to, and, and you have examples of this in your own life, of a night perhaps that you were drinking a little bit too much, you got into a fight with your partner, you said some really horrible things, there were tears, there were angry threats. But when you woke up the next morning, you you thought, what the heck was that about? Why did I say that? And you realize that there actually was no imminent problem going on. It was just a reflection of your level of consciousness. It was a reflection of your state of mind, your... um drunk state of mind perhaps, but we don't always have to be under the influence to feel out of control. I mean, think of a time in your life where perhaps you uh, went crazy while driving. You had a crazy road rage. It was just feeling like it was automatic and it was violent and projected outwards. Or perhaps you yelled at a customer or at your boss at work and now you're horrified. You know, in that moment, it was really led by impulse, you really didn't have a lot of space in that moment to make a conscious choice to think or to behave differently. And so I would love for the conversation around suicide to focus more on that fact of our human nature, that there are moments when our bubble, our perceptual bubble, what we can actively perceive in consciousness that that expands and contracts all of the time for all of us. So sometimes we feel pretty kind of calm, like, oh, I got this. We have a broader perspective. And at other times it feels so real what we're thinking and it feels so personal and intense. It feels almost like our world is collapsing in on us. And these extremes or these experiences are very normal as a human being. If I can give an analogy, it's almost like if if you look at the Empire State Building, I used to live in New York, was kind of an adopted New Yorker for, for a while there. But if you look out at the basement level, for instance, of the Empire State Building back in, let's say the 90s, you would see a lot of different things at that street level. Perhaps you would see prostitution. Perhaps you would see uh, drug deals going on. Perhaps you'd even see some minor crime, pickpocketing and what have you. But as you kind of take the elevator up to higher levels of seeing, 
we can equate that with higher levels of awareness or with simply a broader perspective, you begin to see that your experience of the city changes. And when you're at the top of the Empire State Building, you cannot see what's going on on the ground level. You can't see if there's prostitution maybe going on or drug deals or what have you. You see a much broader perspective of what is going on in the city, a, a much a much larger vantage point from which to experience. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about shifts in consciousness, this expansion and contraction. So my invitation to you is to really consider that perhaps the people that we've lost in this world to suicide, for at least some of them, that it was not a choice that they had in that moment. It wasn't a conscious choice. And so where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with seeing more clearly what's going on, and we can approach it from many different angles from that vantage point. Education is huge. If a human being starts to get practice with kind of riding out the, the waves of their own emotion, of really riding out the, the really expansive times and the really contracted times to see that they do always shift, when people see that with maybe little things in their life, it becomes a kind of normal way to relate to being human. It, it, it makes it a little less likely that even in the throes of painful and deep emotions, that we would be under and overtaken by them. You know, it's not a prescription. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be the case, but it certainly can help lean us in the direction of better understanding of just what it is to be a human being, that we can expect these waves of joy and anguish. We can start to realize that it's not a reflection of us as a human being or our worth or whether we're good enough or worthy of living if we experience these contractions, these uh, moments where it expands a little and then moments where it really feels tight, tighter than ever perhaps. And when I'm speaking with people that are in the throes of symptomology of things like depression, you know, they'll come and they'll say to me usually initially, well, Amy, I'm depressed. I've been depressed for 10 years. And when I invite them to investigate the truth of that statement, when I invite them to just start, start observing a little bit more closely with the more cautious eye of what's going on in your day-to-day -day life, they start to realize there are fluctuations in their day-to-day -day life. It may not be, you know, from negative, a feeling of negative 10 to a, you know, 500, but there are small fluctuations and that's, that's a place to start because no matter what has happened to us, no matter what our past is, a lot of times I don't talk about things that have happened in people's past. I don't talk about diagnoses. You may think I'm living in a la la land. I'm not. I do acknowledge that there, for instance, have been studies that do show, for instance, a strong relationship between adverse childhood experiences like abuse, even divorce, and whether someone is more likely, for, for instance, to uh, be suicidal, uh, to get uh, symptoms of depression, experience symptoms of depression or anxiety. And that study also correlates someone's childhood with, with their actual physical health outcomes, cancer, heart attack that, that, you know, 
folks with, with many adverse childhood experiences tend to be correlated with a higher risk of these kinds of things. So I'm not saying things in the world don't happen. I'm not denying the fact that abuse in childhood can prompt physiological changes, brain and body changes. I'm not saying that. But I think it's also curious that there's so much resistance to possibility. What's possible for human beings? What's possible for our species, our fellow man, our children? For instance, the gentleman that wrote the book, The Brain That Changes Itself, where he really talked about the fact that the brain is not set in stone, that the brain can change its structure and its function. And he gives really remarkable cases of this. People with Alzheimer's experiencing a reduction in symptoms, people experiencing elimination of symptoms of depression and anxiety, uh, someone that was born with half of, the, half of her brain only, and that she lives a happy, healthy life. Her brain compensated for, for what was missing. And there's a lot of pushback. You know, I read an article once of a mother of an autistic child that was really angry about this. But why? Why are we cutting ourselves short? Why are we cutting the potential of ourselves and our loved ones short? We can only experience the limits of our imagination. And although I'm not saying that this means if we think we can grow wings and fly tomorrow, we're going to be able to, but it does seem true to me that we as a culture, as a race, are limited in our perspective of what's possible for human beings. And we reinforce that innocently onto one another. That's why I love having this conversation every week. Because we're looking at what's possible, not probable for human beings. So that's the take home. There are people doing amazing work in the world. All you have to do is scroll through a few TED Talks to see that. Medical practices are looking at psychological factors now. At least a few of them are. It's a step in the right direction. There is hope. Just because you haven't experienced something yet does not mean that it will not happen. The, the, the mind is so sketchy. It's so, it, it's a trickster. It tries to convince us that it knows what will happen in the future. And study after study has shown that that's not true. And our common sense says that's not true. Our brain can only project onto the future that which it's already experienced. Again, it's, it's, it's demonstrating those locks, that limited level of awareness. Because people I have worked with, when they look in this direction, they do begin to actually psychologically and physically experience dynamics of living, a quality of life that they really did not believe was possible. Their experience of what we would call a happy, healthy life does come within their grasp, naturally. Their view expands, and so their experience expands. And when I say view, I don't mean... It's like, it's not a forceful view. It's not like I give these people, you know, positive affirmations to go do every night. That's not what I'm saying. The expanding of the view comes within the learning, within the investigation for yourself. 
How does the human system work? Dare to take the personalization out of it. Even for five minutes, ten minutes. Leave behind the kind of person you think you are. Leave behind your diagnoses. Leave behind how negative the people are around you are. You can pick all that back up. But when you're inquiring with me, I really invite you to drop all that. Leave it at the door. Leave it as soon as you put in your headphones and start to listen every week. And just see what arises. Because here's the truth of being human. Every human being has access to fresh thought. Every human being can have an aha moment that doesn't take 10 years of therapy. It doesn't. Or it doesn't have to. We want to honor people's experiences, of course. So if you're thinking about making plans to end your life, reach out. If that feels uncomfortable, start investigating this for yourself. Ask yourself the hard questions. Is it possible that my view of myself in the world is not correct? It's not an absolute truth. It changes. It will shift. It may take time, but it will shift. And the more you do that, the more new neural pathways are formed, the more that your brain will begin to change and support the direction that you want to go in in your life. Doesn't mean old habits or patterns of being won't show back up. They might. But that's okay. You have the fact that your perceptual bubble, your level of consciousness, it, it is also expanding and contracting and expanding and growing and deepening. That happens naturally as a result of inquiry, honest inquiry. Of listening to things like this every week, even though you may not agree with what I'm saying. Even though you might get angry, even though you might get bored, stay with the conversation, stay with the exploration. Are there universal principles that are constant, that are predictable, that are reliable? Are there psychological principles that are universal that you can learn to look towards those instead of trying to find consistency or security in your ever-changing emotions and perceptions? moods and beliefs it doesn't take much for our level of consciousness to shift there's one gentleman he was standing on top of a building ready to jump and his sister called and invited him to go watch a movie so he went to watch the movie with his sister he's still alive today thank you so much for listening today Again, my name is Amy Leo. You can learn more about me at amyleo.com. Until next week, stay curious. Take care of yourself. If that seems too, like, like too much of a task, hold on for one more day because you don't know what the next day is going to bring. You really don't. The ego the part of us that's arrogant and thinks it knows everything will try to convince us in every which way it can 
that hope is lost. There's no point. No one would miss us. We're a no good piece of crap. That our circumstances are desolate and they'll never change. It's not true. Even Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you know who he is, but he, he is a very successful author. And then he became a podcast dude. He, he does all kinds of stuff, kinds of stuff. But he opened up about his experience with depression and suicidal thoughts. And it occurred to him that everything that he thought was the perfect storm. When he looks back now from a different perspective, he sees that it really wasn't a big deal. That's the first piece. When we see with a clear mind, we start to see the unnecessary dramas that we all create. I create them too. I'm not laying blame. But they are largely kind of unnecessary and kind of a waste of our our attention and, and life energy. And the more profound thing that I think that Tim had mentioned once in an article I was reading was one of the defining reasons why he chose not to die was that he realized that he didn't really know if that would be the end of feeling pain. There's a lot of truth to that statement. Sometimes the media glorifies suicide as a a way to achieve peace and ease. But I'm telling you that that kind of inner peace is possible as a human being. It doesn't matter where you came from. Start reading the hashtag Amy's Real Stories on Instagram. It's people from all walks of life have this accessible. And the fact is, once we die, we don't know what happens. What if it's worse? We, we don't know. We really don't know that. So hang in there another day. Connect with with people in your life. If you feel you don't have a community circle, it's so easy now because of technology to find people. Connect with people that are not going to judge you or give you advice or make you, you know, feel crazy. You know, those, those groups of people really exist. There's a lot of them out there. We're one of them. We're one of probably thousands upon thousands. Again, thank you for listening today. Until next time, keep rocking.